Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. God, thank you for what you have made possible. We could not do it on our own, but God has made it possible today. I hope this morning, this is my, my prayer, is that to encourage and challenge us today to allow our hearts to be ready for what God has ready for us. If you have your Bibles while you're standing in Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to take a look. And uh, you can turn there today. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen or you can also find it on the Version Bible app as well. But we're so glad you're joining us today. If this is your first time, hope that you'll fill out the Connect card. And if you've not already turned that in, drop it off at our Welcome Center. And uh, we'd just love to, to greet you today and just say thanks for being a part of our service this morning. You will notice as well as we're kicking off the red carpet next week uh, is Easter. Uh, would you take a handful of these and invite somebody to come to church with you? And if they don't have a church, 9, 11, or 5, uh, we've got room in our uh, 5 o'clock service. So uh, we're, we're, we've got some room in here still, but uh, let's, we're making more room. And so if you've got some folks, invite them. Maybe even come with them to the 5 o'clock service if, uh, if you're available. But invite somebody. Take a handful of those on your way out today and invite someone to come to church. You happy you came to church today? I'm glad you're here this morning as well. Mark chapter 14, we're going to pick this up. Jesus has already entered into Jerusalem. We know the story that he rode in on the donkey. And this, of course, is is just known as Holy Week. And we call it Holy Week as it's leading to the week that Jesus is crucified. And so on Sunday, he's entered into Jerusalem. They have welcomed him just as it was foretold that he would come humbly riding on a donkey, a donkey that has never been ridden before. He makes his way. They cry out, Hosanna, and he is welcomed. He takes place as he comes in to the city Monday. He doesn't take long before he offends the religious people. He kicks over the tables because of them, the money changers and all that they're doing to the temple of God. And so he then on Tuesday heads out to Bethany. This is where he is in Bethany. He's hanging out in in the home of Simon, some friends of his in Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Jesus is hanging out. Out with some friends there. There, a woman who everybody knows comes in and anoints Jesus' feet. There are some of the disciples who said, How can you let this happen? That money is expensive, or that perfume's expensive. We could have given that money to the poor. One of those people was Judas. In fact, it was that moment that Judas said, I've had enough. Judas said, I can't take it anymore. He said, I'm going to find a way to turn him over. And so Judas, being in charge of the treasury, he was the one who collected the money. Judas said, We could have used that money. Judas also helped himself to pocket some of the money. The Bible says that he would help himself to some of the funds. And how many know that when your idea is to make Jesus do what you want him to do, you'll always steal and make it about you, and you miss out on what God has for you? How many know that you'll always be one, that when you try to take what God is saying, it belongs to him, his glory, that we receive from him? Judas, of course, says, I can't take it. The Bible says that that day, on that Tuesday, Satan entered Judas's heart. And Judas went and betrayed Jesus. Jesus, while he's in Bethany, this is where we pick it up. His disciples, they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem again because they're getting ready for the Passover. This is the meal that they would share as they would do regularly. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 12 is where we're going to pick it up. It says this, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? 
Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you there. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner of that house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room that I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus said. Found everything just as Jesus had said. And there they prepared the Passover meal. I want to share this morning just as we get ready for Easter. Next week we're going to look at what Jesus has prepared for us. But today I want to look at the preparations that God is looking of us that we need to make. Look at your neighbor today and just tell him I'm making preparations. Just tell him I'm making preparations. You have no idea what you're preparing for maybe. But say that in faith today we're making preparation. God, I ask today that you would allow our hearts to be responsive, our hearts to be made ready. God, that we would be prepared for what you have prepared for us We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the provision. Now do in us, we pray, as you desire. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you just say amen? Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Thanks again for being here, being a part of church today, making preparations. I don't know if you realize that the majority of your life and my life is spent getting ready. Probably 20% of your life is spent experiencing what you're getting ready for, and the other 80% is spent getting ready for what you're getting ready for. We're, we're always and constantly in the process of getting ready. It's, it's, what we, it's what we do. When we experience one thing, we get ready for the next, that we live our lives getting ready for the next thing and getting ready for what's about to take place. Just ask the bride who's getting ready for her wedding day. In fact, some of them have already starting their wedding, started planning their wedding before they even met their groom. They've already got the the colors, the the location, the venue. There's some plans and preparation. All that's put in place just to experience the the maybe a half hour or an hour or even add the, the reception and all that goes with it. Maybe a day's worth of celebration, but days and months of preparing and getting ready for. The individual who's going to be preparing the meal on Easter, they might spend a whole day or a day and a half getting ready and you know full well that the time that they take to prepare the meal, it only takes you and I 20 minutes to get filled up on it. All the time and the work that goes in to make something ready that seems short-lived, but getting ready for what God has ready for us, preparing for what God is preparing for us. Here's the question or what you need to understand today that, that when we prepare, it's not just menial tasks that we're doing. Because if what we're preparing for is something significant, how many know that the preparation is meaningful if the event we're getting ready for is significant? The bigger the event, the bigger the preparation. The littler the moment, the littler the preparation. You prepare for things that are big and significant, but you don't prepare for things that are not significant. You prepare for things that are meaningful. You can For me, it was going to high school. I didn't take a lot of work to get prepared to go to school, but the day I met the prettiest girl in school, I started taking more time figuring out what I was going to wear and how I looked. Why? Because the significance changed. Uh, For me, uh, when I I play a game of pickup basketball, when I used to, because I would pretend to, I never played basketball. It was not my thing. I didn't prepare for a pickup game of basketball. Somebody said, hey, you want to play? All right, sure, I will. I didn't prep. I didn't prepare. You know why? Because it's just a game. But don't ever say that to my wife. It's never just a game. It's never just a game. In fact, she would, she, she's sitting back there, I think, somewhere she is. She's in here. She, she, she's better than me at all this stuff. And so 
I can, uh, I can uh, say that in pride and all the rest. But she, of course, has the ability with the sports. And for her, it was more than just a game. It was something of preparing for because it was her desire to play in the competition, all that would be. For me, it would be a pickup game. But for some people, it's not just a pickup game. It's playing to win. She played basketball, field hockey, and even ran track. She hated track, but the reason she ran track is because track made her get ready for field hockey, everything she did was about getting ready. It was preparing and getting ready. It was something of significance. It's never just a game. It's never just something that is menial. It becomes something of purpose. And the higher the value, the more preparation that goes into it. There are women that you know what it's like, and everybody in the room, that if someone's expecting a child, they're not expecting a child in a place when you say to them, well, when's the baby due? I don't know, sometime. We're not really sure. How many know the moment they find out they're expecting? They know the date. They're figuring out the name. They're getting the color of the room. They're putting details and plans from the moment they know there's an arrival. There's plans and things that are put, to, put in place. There's such a, a, a desire and expectation of preparation. My, my wife would, would tell me even as a teenager in junior high and high school that she would compete with herself to the point that she would not let herself go in from the driveway until she made 10 baskets in a row. That she would challenge and push herself into a place of preparation because it was preparing and getting ready for something. That when there's something significant you spend time getting ready for something significant, but you spend little time getting ready for something that's just mundane. Did you hear me? You spend much time getting ready for something significant. You spend little time getting ready for something mundane. So let me ask you, when it comes to the return of Jesus Christ, where's your anticipation? Because the level of your preparation will equal the level of your anticipation. What you're anticipating will cause you to prepare for what you're anticipating. But if you don't really care, like the mother who says, when you ask the mother, when's the baby due? In fact, this morning, I asked someone in our church in our 9 o'clock service, I said, when are you due? Actually, she said to me first, I didn't even have to ask a question. She said to me, before I could even shake her hand and say hello, she said, it's a girl. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Man, that's so exciting. When are you due? April or uh, August 9th. She, I was thinking she's about ready to give me the time, the location. I mean, she's ready. Why? Because the moment there's an anticipation, you're preparing for the arrival. There's a long awaiting moment that we're preparing and making ourselves ready for. I want to ask you today, how is the preparation when it comes to experiencing and stepping in to what God has for you? Not just in the return of Jesus Christ, because we believe this, that heaven and earth will pass away, that God has prepared a place of eternity, that we'll all stand before God, that we'll, we'll be in the presence of God, that we'll make a decision in this life, whether we'll spend eternity with God or eternity without God that the decision that we have to make and how prepared are we because unfortunately I think sometimes we allow the things of God to become less of a priority and we prepare little I wonder and I don't want conviction or I don't want to bring condemnation I just want to bring balance to the house I think we prepare for lesser things more than we prepare for greater things we anticipate lesser things that are momentary just for a moment when there's something far greater. How's the preparation of, of, of what it is that we're preparing for what it is that God would have that the, the bigger the moment, the bigger the preparation. And the smaller the moment, the smaller the preparation. I know someone might say in the room today, well, Jason, I don't need to do anything to get ready because Jesus did it all for me. And it sounds religious. It sounds good. Yes, Jesus did it all for you, but you missed the part the moment you put need in there. 
Because the moment you put need, I don't need to do anything for Jesus, you miss it because I don't need to do anything for Jesus either. But what Jesus did and what I'm receiving from him is not what I need to do from him for him. I want you to catch this this morning. It's what I am now able to do with him. Let me tell you why. Because before Jesus died on the cross, I couldn't even stand in the presence of God. Before Jesus, the blood of Jesus, before the blood of Jesus was spilled on the, on, the, on the cross, before Jesus did what he did, I was not able to even stand in the presence of God. But because of what Jesus has done, it's not what I need to do, it's now what I'm able to do. And how many know that when you're able to do something, it changes the game? If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down, that he makes all things possible. The Bible says this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible. How many know them without faith if it's impossible? How many know with faith it is possible? Do you realize that how do you prepare for something that you don't know when it's going to happen? I don't know when Christ is going to return. I don't know what it is. I don't know the moment. It's inevitable and it's unpredictable. You know, there's moments that I'm believing God to do in my life and it's inevitable. I'm, I'm taking God at his word. I'm believing him. I'm trusting him. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I believe because he said it and because he said it, that's enough for me. That I'm holding on to a belief that Jesus is going to come back. How do you prepare for what you don't know or it's inevitable and it's unpredictable? Well, the Bible says it's by faith. It's by faith that we allow ourselves to be prepared. That that by faith, believing God and trusting in God. That when we allow faith to impact our lives, he makes it possible through faith. Religion is need-based, but salvation is faith-based. When we, when we live in religion, it's what I need to do. Well, I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible. I need to, I need to do this. I need to do, do this. Religion is need-based, but when you know salvation, it becomes faith-based. It changes everything. Here's what I want you to write down this morning if you are taking notes, that God makes all things possible, and possibility is not pressure, and possibility is not always positive. I want to share those two things this morning, that possibility is not pressure. That when there's, God makes all things possible, he takes the pressure off it. Because you know what it's like when you feel like it's your pressure, like you have to do something, you feel pressured to do something. How many know that when you feel pressured to do something, you'd rather not have anything to do with it? You know why? Because you don't feel like you're capable of doing it. You might be in a relationship. You don't feel like you have what it takes. You're, you're incapable. You don't have what it takes. And you know what you do in those relationships? We separate ourselves from those relationships. You know what we do with God when we feel more religion than we do salvation? We push ourselves away from God. We separate ourselves from God. Some of us have separated ourselves from God because we feel the weight and the pressure that I can't please God. You know what? You're absolutely right. You can't please God without faith. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. My wife, she said as a teen, she'd stand out there and shoot 10 baskets in a row, not because she, all the, the process, you'll do something that might seem difficult, and the only reason it becomes no pressure. It was no pressure for her to do that. You know why? Because she could. She knew that she was able to do it. She knew that she was able to do it. And because she knew she was able to do it, it was not pressure. How many know that when it's no longer, when the pressure is gone, it becomes a joy? That, that, that serving God and being in a relationship with God is not added pressure, but it becomes a joy. Because you know you're able to do it. You take someone who's never played basketball and tell them, shoot 10 baskets in a row, then you can eat. Oh my goodness, they're going to die. 
Why? Because they've never done it. They don't know how. They can't. But someone who knows they can. How many know that when you know you can, you'll stand up and the pressure's not there. It's not a burden. It's not something you don't want to do. It's something you know, I've got it on the inside of me. I can do this. How many know what I'm talking about? That when you know you can do it. Do you realize this? That when you know that you're saved in Jesus Christ, you know that in yourself you can't, but you know by the blood of Jesus Christ you can. You know that you're not good enough, but you know because of Jesus Christ you are. You know you don't have what it takes, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, you can. How many know that when you know you can, it changes everything? But when you feel like you can't, that's pressure. And pressure makes me feel like I shouldn't even try. I don't even know why. And some of us, when we feel the pressure of trying to prepare for God or come after God, and some of us have felt the pressure because we're more works-based than we are faith-based. We're more religious than we are saved. Religion cannot save you. You can't do good things to get to heaven. Or you can do good things to get your name on a, on, a, on a roll or to have people like you or to approve of you. You can do good things, and all those things are worthwhile, but all they'll do is work on this earth. The only thing that'll work in heaven is not how good you were, not how faithful you were, but have you believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? The only reason it's possible, and you know that when it becomes possible, it changes everything. Have you ever had an ailment, and you knew that because of either a surgery or some pain that you had, that you could not sleep a certain way comfortably because of that pain? How many have ever felt that? But then the moment that pain was gone and you were able to now do what you used to not be able to do, how many know that changes everything? When it was just ordinary before, you realized, but the moment when you could do what you could not do, it changes everything. Do you know, don't forget, that the only way we can come into the presence of God is that Jesus Christ, the only reason we can stand here and worship before God is that Jesus Christ gave his blood, that he shed his blood for you and I. We don't come on our own behalf, in our own merit, in our own goodness, or in our own righteousness. We only come because of the work of Jesus Christ and what he's made possible. That possibility is not pressure. It's not pressure. Whatever you said you can't, it's probably because you're doing it in your own strength but not his. If there's something in your life you said you can't, then you've allowed it to be a works mentality. You're a works mentality. You know what works mentality is? You can do it even in some relationships. Well, if I, it's a debt-to-debtor thing. If I do this for you, you do this for me. I'm good to you, you're good for me. We're in this exchange. We do it this way. That's works. That's pressure. That gets old because somewhere it's hard to keep track. You're like, well, I'm the one doing all the work, and they're not doing all the work. I'm the one carrying all the load. No one's carrying all the load. I've got all the pressure. I've got all the work. It's all falling on me. Everything's on me. And you feel the weight and the pressure. But whenever it's no longer works-based, but it's faith-based, it becomes a joy. It changes the whole game because you know you can't do it in yourself, but when you know that you're able to do it because of Christ at work inside of us, when we know we can, it changes everything. Just ask a little engine who could when you know you can it changes everything when you know you're able when you know in Christ do you know who you are in Christ quit living like an orphan if you've been adopted by Jesus quit living like less than when he said I've made you more than a conqueror quit living like you've got nothing to gain when he says greater things than these will you experience don't live less than when he called you and made you Not only did he call you, but he died and shed his blood to make it possible. Do you know what he's made possible in your life? So I want you to hear this this morning, that possibility, God makes it possible for us to come to him. So the possibility is the pressure's off. I don't have to do anything to earn it. 
You know someone who walks the red carpet? They don't even open their own door. I mean, somebody opens the door for them. They walk out onto the red carpet. They make their way. They don't even have to wonder which way to go. Just follow the red carpet. Follow the yellow. No, that's the yellow one. That's a, follow the red one. They don't even have to make a, worry about what to do. Why? Because it's already been laid out for them. Do you know that what Jesus Christ has done, the help that he came to give you, he said, I'll be your comforter. I'll be your guide. The spirit of God will come upon you. I'll open the doors for you. I'll make it possible. I don't have to work to make it happen. I just have to have faith, trusting God, that he'll work all things together for good. That brings me to my second point, and that is this, that possibility is not pressure, but possibility is also not always positive you know why we want here's what we want God makes all things possible therefore since God makes all things possible that equals positivity we think God's possibility is our positivity which means God makes all things possible therefore no negative should ever happen in my life if you ever swallowed that pill choke it back up that's a religious message but the message of truth is that in this world you're going to have trouble He didn't come to just be the God who is able to protect us, yes, but he's also the God who's able to deliver us. We're going to walk through the places of difficulty. There's going to be difficulty in our life. So I don't want you to hear red carpet and think, oh, well, I should not have any problems. I should not have any obstacles. I should not have any opposition. No, you will have opposition. You will have trouble. And possibility is not your ability to not have trouble. Possibility is your ability to get through whatever God is, whatever you're walking through, that he's going to to bring you into what he's promised because you were enslaved to sin just like, the, just like the Hebrews were in Moses' day. For 400 years they were slaves and because they were slaves they tried to get free, nothing happened. They of course had plague after plague as Moses pleaded to God but the 10th the 10th plague, the 10th one made all the difference. And you know what it was? It was the death of the firstborn. Something had to die before something could be set free. Something had to die before liberty, before life, before things could take place. Something had to die and it was the firstborn. And so the Bible says that a lamb was supposed to be killed and a lamb would be taken from the flock and a lamb would be killed and the blood of that lamb would be put over the door in the sign of a cross, sideways and up and down, that it would cover the door. And the Bible said that when the the angel would come past it would see the blood and it would pass over that the victory happened in their life because of the blood of Jesus nothing got them out of freedom until the blood was applied to their life nothing got them out of their past until the blood was applied to their life and not only did they get delivered from Egypt guess what God said I want to take you to the promised land how do we get there through the desert is there another way Can we find another way? Can we get there somewhere else? Can we do it by another means? I want to get to paradise. I want to get to the promised land. Can we bypass the desert? No, even Jesus himself in the start of his ministry, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord took him for 40 days into the wilderness. He walked into a place of wilderness. Do you know what possibility is? Possibility is not just the opportunity for you to have everything positive in your life. Possibility is even in the negative, God knows how to work and lift you above that he makes it possible. How is it possible for you to get through what you're going through? How is it possible for you to rebound from what, you're, what you've gone through? How is it possible? You can't do it in yourself, but the blood and the power of Jesus Christ has made it possible. And we declare that in him, he makes all things possible in our lives. You believe that this morning, that he's made things possible for us that it's possible yes it's possible for God to heal but it's also possible for a loved one to go to heaven and God to heal our broken heart it's also possible 
not only for God to deliver us from a catastrophe or from difficulty. Oh, it's possible. But it's also possible for his strong arm to lift us up in the midst of what we walk through. And we cannot do it on our own, only by the provision and the work of Jesus Christ that he's done for us. I want you to know today that he makes all things possible. And because he makes all things possible, the pressure's off. It's not work. I don't have to do the work. I have the privilege now. And because he makes all things possible, I recognize that everything is not always going to be positive. But he knows how to work in the difficult moment, in the places of difficulty that might be taking place in my life, that preparation and being ready because he made all things possible. So I can prepare for him because he makes it possible by faith. So by faith, are we preparing? How do you prepare by faith? And, and here, recognizing this, that, that preparation does not create opportunity, but preparation makes us ready for opportunity. You can't create opportunity in your life. Here, here's why I want you to hear this. It's not workspace. Are you catching me this morning? It's not workspace, which means this as well. You can't fast and pray your way into God's working. When you fast and pray, it's not to get God to work. It's so that you can get out of the way so God can work. When you pray, it's not to manipulate God. It's to come into agreement and say, God, I want what you want because I trust you. I trust that your ways are higher than my ways. I'm surrendering and I'm trusting to you. But too often, we try to be the ones pulling the strings. And if we can get it to work in the way that we want it to work, and we miss it. And when I pull the string and it doesn't do what I want, God, you're broke. God says, no, I'm not broke. The strings are the wrong way. Strings are backwards. If you put it the other way around, I'm the one who knows how to pull the strings. I'm the one who knows how to put things in the rightful place. If you'll move when I say move, if you'll go when I say go, if you'll trust me at my word, if you'll take me at my word, I've laid a path for you. I've laid the carpet. I've made it possible. If you'll follow me and take me at my word, that he's made it possible for for us to trust him, to come to him, that because he said it, Because he said it, we know that it's about to happen. How do we prepare for it? We prepare by faith. We prepare by faith. The Bible says this, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God, or the gospel, the word about Christ, or the word of Christ. Your preparation has to do with how much of God's word you've got inside of you. How much of the word are you allowing to get inside of you? Your preparation. Here are two disciples that Jesus picks, Jesus says, hey, you two, I want you to go and prepare the Passover. Now, this wasn't the first time these boys, these good Jewish boys have ever had a Passover meal. They had had as many as they are in age because they would have done this every year. This was the celebration. Everybody would do this. We gather for the Passover. Everybody comes into the area, and Jesus says to them, I want you to go, and I want you to find a place for the Passover. In fact, they initiated it. They said, hey, Jesus, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal? Have you been so willing to say to Jesus, Jesus, what do you want from me so that I can make things ready for you to do what you want to do? Have you been so positioned in a place to say, hey, Jesus, what do you want? Or is it more, hey, Jesus, here's what's going on. Would you come and do something in the midst of what's going on? Or have you grown in your faith and walk in your walk with Christ that you flip things around and said, hey, Jesus, what do you want to do with the circumstance, with the situation? How do you want to work? What do you want me to do to prepare a place for you? What do you want me to do to prepare this for you? How do you want this? God, how do you want my family? How do you want my marriage? How do you want my job? How do you want my schedule? How do you want my priority? How do you want my, have we come to a place, and I realize some of us in the room saying, that feels like works. You've missed it. 
Because for God to prioritize and for him to become the priority, it's not what I have to do. It's what it's now made possible to do because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Because before I couldn't even walk into his presence. Moses had to go on my behalf. And in fact, some of the other priests had said, put a bell around their legs because if you don't hear the bell anymore, they died, pull them out. No one can stand in the presence of a holy God, but it became possible because of the blood of Jesus being applied to our life, because Jesus making a way, pulling out the red carpet, opening the door, making it possible that we might come before him. When you know you can now do what you used to not be able to do, how many know that will change everything in your life? When you can do now what you were not able to do before, it will change everything. That you can have peace only because of Jesus. You can have joy, not because your bank account did a certain thing, not because your your relationship finally went the way you want, not because things happen. You can have peace because Jesus makes it possible. I want to want you to hear this this morning and and how we prepare for it. He says to him, he says, I want you to go into the city. I want you to find someone, find a man who's carrying a pitcher of water. Follow that man. And when he comes to the house that he's serving in, ask the owner of that house, where's your guest room? They'll take you upstairs, and then you'll find a furnished room already set up for you. Go and prepare the meal there. Oh, okay. Do you realize it wasn't like this clarity thing, like this plan B? Jesus wasn't like it's the gray house on Morgantown, and if you get lost, just go to Frank's house. He lives next door. Frank's a nice guy. He can help you. Okay, what if Frank isn't home? Well, if Frank isn't home, then, then, then go call someone on the other side and, and use this door. He didn't give us background. He didn't give, us a, give him a follow-up plan. He said, I want you to find a man who's carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Sounds a little creepy. Follow that man to the house, and when he comes to his house, I want you to go inside the house. Hey, I'm with you, buddy. Where are we going? Where's the owner of this house? Go to the owner of the house and say, hey, my teacher wants to know where the guest room is. Okay, Jesus, let me get this straight. You want me to just find a stranger in the street who's carrying a pitcher of water, which, by the way, Jesus, we have a ton of people in Jerusalem. I mean, have you ever thought that New York City gets crazy at Christmas? I did that on the bucket list this year. I took the family to New York City at the beginning of December so we could have Christmas in New York City. Glad I got that off my bucket list. There's so many people in New York City say, like, guys, there's a tree. Keep walking. Don't stop. Dad, I want a picture. Nope, keep walking. We're not staying. There are thousands of people in the place. This is the celebration, maybe not thousands of people, but there's hundreds of people and even thousands of people in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, find the man who's carrying the pitcher of water. Okay, Jesus. Follow that man, go into his house, say to the owner, I'm looking for your guest room, and then they'll already have it set up and you just go and take over. Okay. Do you realize there was a willingness for them to take Jesus at his word? There was a lot of opportunity to say, you know how many people there are out there? Well, he said it. Do you know there are going to be other people carrying water jugs because it's ceremonial cleaning, it's the Passover. There's going to be a lot of people carrying, well, that's what he said. Do do you know we could walk into the wrong house and we trust him? Do you know we could have, it could maybe not go the right way. We could find somebody who is with their own police and they could shoot us as soon as we walk in. Well, that's what he said. Now, you realize this took faith on their part to step out and trust him in his word. Now, before I look, I want, to, I want to show you some significant things. I believe these significant things he said to find. A man with a pitcher of water, a guest room, and a furnished room. There's significance to that. But before I give that to you, I want you to know who the two disciples are. Mark doesn't tell us. But Luke tells us the two disciples that Jesus says, hey, I want you two to go, was Peter and John. 
Jesus sends Peter and John, says to Peter and John, hey, Peter and John, it's your job to go and prepare the Passover. You're going to find it like this. It's your job to go get the lamb, take it to the priest, have it slaughtered, bring the lamb back, put it on the spit, cook it real good. I like my medium well. I have no idea if that's a thing for lamb. I have no idea if that even counts. But Jesus, of course, saying, put out the herbs, put all the stuff that's in its place, prepare the meal, and we'll eat there. Peter and John, it's your job. And they step out in faith and do what Jesus said. Do you maybe think that getting ready for what God wants to do in your life and being prepared is all about taking him at his word? And because he said it, that's what I'll do? Or have you allowed other things to reason away what God says in your life? Well, cultural things, you know, well, sinful and whatever and cultural things. Well, you know, we can't, we can't help it. We can't. And you've reasoned things away rather than taking a hold of what God's word says. And we reason things away, young person. Well, you know, waiting for the right person and honoring God with my body. That's an old-fashioned thing. I know that's an old-fashioned thing. You might say I'm an old-fashioned preacher. I'm 40 years old, pretty young for an old-fashioned preacher. But hey, still, give it to you. And I'm not as young as I used to be. But here's my point. It's not just a matter of having God's will for your life. It's having God's blessing. He doesn't want you to carry the baggage. He doesn't want you to carry the load and the burden that if you learn to take God at his word, the earlier you take God at his word, he'll cause the carpet to be laid out, that he'll put a place. But here's the good news. Even when we miss it, his grace knows how to put us back up. You know why? Because you will miss it. Look at your neighbor and tell him right now, you've missed it. You've missed it. That just makes you feel better right now for whatever it is you've missed. You just got to tell them. Because we've all missed it. We've all missed it. Not one of us are righteous. We have all, we have all lied. We have all either stolen. We have, all, we have all done something against the law of God. We all are guilty and deserve death. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that he took our place and he died on our behalf. That's the gospel. Here's Peter and John. It's their job to go in and to, they have to take Jesus at his word. Are you willing to take Jesus at his word? Willing to trust Jesus? Let me give you these three things before the worship team comes, and we're going to close here this morning. Here's these significant things that he says to look for. Because when you know how to find these things, it will lead you to a place of getting ready for what God wants you to be ready for. Here's number one. He says, find a man carrying a pitcher of water. We've already pointed out this is a, could be a difficult thing because how in the world do you find the person, the right person, who will meet you carrying a pitcher of water? What was significant about this is simply this, that the man carrying the pitcher of water, the man carrying the pitcher of water was a man in a culture where the people who carried the water were women. This was a culture that when you would go get water, it was the woman's job. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching what was culturally the thing, and that was the cultural thing. And so it was one thing to find the person who was tasked to do it, but how many know the person who's tasked to do it does it different than the person who's willing to do it? Think about that. The person who's tasked to get the water, they've got pressure. They've got the job. It's my job. Where are you going? Going to get water. Why are you getting water? Well, because it's my job. It's what I have to do. I've got to get water. I'm going to get the water. But I bet the man who's willing to get the water, he probably walks a little different than everybody else who has to get the water. He's probably going after water and says, I get to get the water. It's my privilege. I get to get the water. We're about ready to celebrate the Passover. We're looking for the Messiah. There's a promise and a hope that God has given. I am looking with anticipation. There's a promise that I'm anticipating. And because of that promise, I get to carry the water. 
when you get to carry the water, when you're able to carry the water, how many know you'll carry it a lot different than the person who says, I have to? And I bet these men just had to find the person who was the man. Number one, it wasn't a woman, it was a man. And it would be a little easier to find because it was a man who had the privilege of carrying the water. I wonder when it comes to the presence of God, have you found the pleasure of of walking, of carrying the presence of God? And here's what the water is. It represents the good news, the cleansing gospel, the cleansing word. The word of God is like water that it cleanses. Have you found it a privilege to carry and to pour out the word of God, to serve before God? There's a total difference when life for you is the privilege of serving God as opposed to the obligation of having to do something for God. Do you know God doesn't want to do anything, God doesn't want to get anything from you. God does not want to get anything from you. You know why? Because he doesn't need anything you have. He does not need anything you have. Whatever you have, you only have because he gave it to you, which means he had it in the first place. And you only got it because of him. He doesn't need anything from you. And so let your hands off of it. Well, God, you're trying to take away my fun. No, I gave you pleasure. God, you're trying to take away my peace. No, I am the God of peace. God, you're trying to take away my identity. No, I created you in my image. You're trying to take away everything that's mine, that I want, that I've worked for, that I love. No, I'm not trying to take it from you. I'm the one who gave it to you in the first place. I want to restore it back to you. I want to give it back to you. I want you to have it the way it was meant to be. I want to put it in your life the way that it was meant to be. Looking for someone who has a willingness. Let me ask you today, is there a willingness in you to serve? If there's a willingness in us to serve, then we're making preparations for what God is preparing us for. There's a willingness to serve. He said, find a man carrying a pitcher. Number two, he says, find a guest room. I want you to hear the significance of this is the guest room. Walk into that person's house and say, hey, my teacher's looking for the guest room to celebrate the Passover meal. The reason he wanted a guest room is because he only needed to borrow it. Jesus was pretty keen on using earthly things for a temporary moment because he didn't need it for himself. He borrowed the donkey because he said to other disciples, he said, go and untie a donkey that you'll find in the middle of the fork in the road. Untie it. And if somebody says, hey, what are you doing with the donkey? Just tell them, the teacher needs it. Okay. I mean, could you imagine living by faith with Jesus? I mean, Jesus, we got donkey theft going on. I mean, Grand Theft Auto or Grand Theft Donkey, we got a problem now. I mean, and you just want me to walk into somebody's house. Jesus, what are you doing? He says, just go tell him. Here's what he said. He said, the master has use of it. Teacher has use of it. And when he's done with it, he'll give it back. He'll give it back. He borrowed a guest room because he didn't need it for long. He just needed to borrow it for a moment. I'll give it back. He didn't need to borrow a tomb. Or he didn't need to have a tomb. He just needed to borrow one. You know why? You can have it back. I only need it for a little while. I only need it for a little moment. So let me ask you today, are you willing to give to God your temporary inconvenience and troubles so that he can display his glory in your temporary hurt and pain? Because he has a way of borrowing things in your life and giving it back better than you found it in the first place. When he took the tomb, how many know that it was just Joseph of Arimathea's tomb the moment it became the tomb that the soldiers couldn't even protect how many know that became the tomb that death cannot hold you back he gave it back better than he found it he said that donkey you know that donkey no one's ever used it it's not even proven itself it's a young colt 
didn't even have its chance to prove itself. I don't even know if they named the thing yet. It's just young. It's never been written. They've never used it. Jesus said, I'll take that one. And you can have it back. Because now it's the one that carried the king into the triumphal entry. Now it's the one that gets spoken of. You know that guest room? I I need a guest room to have a Passover meal. Well, not just any meal. The last one that will ever eat with a slaughtered lamb. Because now the lamb that is about to die will be once and for all. The lamb of Jesus, who is Jesus Christ, will die once and for all. I'm trying to give everything I got here today to preach a message of hope. I just give you a little insight into preachers. Do you ever try and feed kids something they don't want to eat? I feel like that preacher today. <laughs> Woo! I feel like a preacher today. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Yes, you do. He wants to give you a life of hope. I got other stuff. I got other things. I got other things. I got other stuff to do. I got other priorities. I got other stuff. I want you to hear this this morning. That if you allow yourself to take God at his word, it will be more than a religious act and a religious duty. It will break the yoke of bondage over your life. It will break the yoke of bondage. It will break the yoke of bondage over your life. You say, no, 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 Jason. Surely it can't be that easy of taking God at his word. Don't I need to do like a a step program? Don't I need to have like something in place? Don't I have to achieve and arrive? No, you can't. Only the work of Jesus Christ can accomplish it in your life. So let me give you the last one. He says the guest room. He only needs it for a little while. Are you willing to say to him, God, be my guest? I'll trust you in this place that I'm going. Are you able to trust God with your hurt, with your pain? Say, God, I'll trust you in the midst of whatever I'm going through. I'll trust you. I'll take you at your word. I'll trust you. Are you trusting him? Here's the last one. Not only will you find a man carrying the pitcher of water, and not only will you find a guest room, but you'll find a large furnished room. Here's a large furnished room, and here's what the furnished, I want to emphasize furnished. The furnished room is this. The table's already there. There's already pillows. They didn't have chairs in those days. You reclined at the table, and you ate. You laid against pillows, and it was the, he said, it's already furnished. It's already there. It just needs the meal. I wonder today if you've prepared a place just like the, the woman the widow of Elijah who said, she said to Elijah, I'll prepare a place for you. The Shunammite woman, she prepared a place on top of her house just for the prophet. She prepared a place for him to come. She prepared a place and preparing that place was just for the prophet. I wonder today, have you furnished a place? Have you created a place that says, God, here's a place, here's a time. All that needs, you just, you bring the meal. Jesus, you bring the meal. I'll bring, I'll bring the furnishing. I'll come in the place. You just bring your presence. You just bring the meal. How many know that he's brought a meal for you? He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's prepared a place. He's prepared something for you. And if we have the place ready that he'll fill the table, he's got a place for us to meet with him. It becomes a furnished area. I want to ask you today, is there a willingness to serve? Is there a willingness to trust him in the temporary difficult moments of your life to allow him to use the guest room? Be my guest. God, I'll trust you in these temporary moments of life, in these things of life, because you're working in this temporary moment. It's working far greater than I could ever imagine. Lastly, 
Are we furnishing the area saying, God, here's a place. I'm available that you can use this place. Being prepared for what God has next. You realize he picked Peter and John. He said to Peter and John, you go get the lamb, have it killed, put it on the spit, make it ready. You set the table. Peter and John would have known how to put the napkins. They would have known what order to put everything down. And the Bible says this, that when they went, what? They found everything just like Jesus said. Remember we said earlier that your level of preparation is equal to the level of your anticipation. And when you're preparing for something greater, it takes more time and put more energy into it. Your preparation today is giving way to the opportunity that God has for you tomorrow. Notice Peter and John are the ones who are now laying out the napkins, putting everything in place, and making everything ready for the Passover on Thursday. Little did they know that come Sunday morning, they would be the same two disciples running to the tomb to find the tomb empty and finding the napkin laying just like Jesus. They knew that the way he folded that napkin, the way he did it, it was the same two disciples. What you're going through today, if you trust God and take him at your word and what you're walking through today, you have no idea what he's preparing for you tomorrow. You have no idea what he's got prepared for you tomorrow. If you trust him and take him at his word today, you say today, he wants me to go and have the lamb cut. You know, I might get blood on my new shoes. It gets messy sometimes working with Jesus or preparing a place for Jesus. It gets uncomfortable sometimes. You don't always get your way. It always doesn't happen the way you want it. But when you take him at his word, when you trust him at his word, you trust him today and watch what he prepares to show you tomorrow. Because today might be setting a table for him to eat at. But on Sunday, you're getting to watch a grave that used to be a dead man's tomb. But now it's a place from which hope has risen and life has come forth. He turns things around. Do you have faith? Do you have faith to trust him? You're going through hell. But he knows how to get you to heaven. You're going through pain. He knows how to get you to healing. You're going through difficulty. He knows how to get you to hope. You're going through temporary. He knows how to get you to eternity. Take him at his word. He said it. I believe it. Find a man with a pitcher. Follow him into the house. Ask the guest what? That sounds crazy. But hey, if that's what he said, that's what I'll do. Because what he's doing in me today is making me ready for something even greater tomorrow. God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Give me faith. I don't know who it is today who says I'm walking through what I'm walking through and I know that I can't do it on my own. Only God will make it possible. And so faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I'm going to take faith today. By faith, I'm going to take him at his word. By faith, I'm going to stand on what he said. And by faith, he's going to turn my impossibility into possibility.